We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out their website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. You can even ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good to see morning, you. Good morning, Scott. Uh, testamentary trusts. Yeah. We're going to start with that. Isn't that such a sound straightforward? What does it, it mean? It, is means. <laughs> it, it means it's a trust that is created at your death. So mm. it's created through your will. And you can create a trust while you're alive. That's called an inter vivos trust. I don't know why they always have to use Latin. Yeah, so inter vivos meaning mm. in life. Right. And testamentary Good means for you. at Look death. At you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a trust that's created after your death. So right. the trust itself would have to be discussed or outlined in your will. Right. So it's not something that your executors can come up with after the fact in terms of creating that. Although I shouldn't say that there are some some one-off scenarios, for example, for someone with a disability, the option to create a Henson Trust, but that's mm-hmm. a different story. So we're sticking with testamentary trusts. And testamentary trusts were a really popular strategy that Don and I have used for years mm-hmm. to help people income split beyond the grave. Right. And the, the basic process was that while you're alive, you and your, your spouse could split your pension income. You, mm-hmm. could, you could arrange to split your Canada pension income. You could put investments in joint ownership so you could split the interest or investment income from it. So that's great when you're alive. And let's say in a perfect world, you know, you each earned $41,000 while mm-hmm. you're alive. And um, you'd be in the lowest tax bracket, right. 20% marginal tax bracket. You'll never pay less tax. Mm-hmm. So you've got 82000 of household income coming in. You're in the lowest tax bracket, perfect planning, $41,000 each. It all falls apart when someone died hmm. because now the income gets stacked up and just it's all taxed in one person's yeah. name. So now you're going to be in about a 40% marginal tax bracket instead of 20. And so you're going to end up with a lot less after-tax income than you did otherwise. Mm -hmm. So the testamentary trust was a strategy to allow you to continue to split income after death. And so instead of leaving my money to my spouse, I would leave my money to a trust. Right. And that trust would then spin off income to my spouse. As opposed to all of it at once. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my spouse has the tax and the trust that I created at my death for my wife would be um, taxed on its own. Mm-hmm. And it was eligible for the graduated tax rates. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, the first 41,000 is 20%, and the mm-hmm. next chunk is 30%, the next chunk is 40%. So that graduated rate of taxation meant that you could pay a lot less tax by having still two streams of income, yeah. one from the trust and one that you would continue to receive as a survivor. Mm-hmm. And very, you know, basically you're still be, being, you do all this planning all your life to income split, but then when one spouse dies, the income splitting goes, unless you form the, a, a testamentary trust. Mm-hmm. So as all good things come to an end, yes. <laughs> CRA decided that they don't like this idea. <laughs> they want to get their tax from the dead people as much as they can. So I'll no bite more, my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> no more income splitting beyond the grave. Although 
there still exists. So this is everybody who has died basically after 2015. So from mm-hmm. 2000, from this year onward, uh, you can still create a trust. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why you still want to use a trust. But income splitting is only going to be allowed for three years. So 36 months basically. And in, in, so your year of death plus two more years. Essentially, and you're what, you're supposed you to die by then, I guess? And then, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. They're not going to last another three. So. Yeah. So you, you do get the, and it's, so it's worthwhile. And these are called GRE trusts or graduated rate estate trusts. And basically they do have access to, they continue to have access to those graduated rates of tax. Mm -hmm. So your, I die, I leave my money into a testamentary trust for my spouse. For the first three years, they're going to be able to use those graduated rates. And you also get some other features. So the great, the greatest one is the graduated uh, rates. You have, I continue to have flexibility in terms of uh, charitable donations. Number three, the trust can use the, uh, the nil capital gain inclusion, which basically means that if you if you give securities or stock or a mutual fund shares to mm-hmm. a charity, you don't have to pay tax on the capital gain. Right. That gets wiped out. So that's still available to you. You don't have to make any tax installments for the trust, and you can use an off-calendar year-end for the trust as opposed to a December 31st. I'm not clear on all the advantages for that last you one, know. but uh, anyway, there may be something in that first. But Account- accountants like that, though. they might they might <laughs> like some flexibility there. So you can do this uh, th- for three years, and now afterwards, you're you lose that graduated rate of tax. Right. So now, if you earned, uh, so if you had a million dollars and it was earning four percent. You know, you have forty thousand dollars under the old system. You'd pay tax only on the forty grand at the lowest rate, right? Mm-hmm. Now it'll be at the uh, uh, taxed at the highest rate. So after the th- after three years, yeah. so instead of having the trust pay the tax, the trust is going to say, "Well, wait a minute. I'm going to pay fifty three percent if I keep the money in the if I have the trust pay tax on it. I'm going to pay it out to my." my wife at the yeah. survivor um, and she'll add it to, she'll add it to her income maybe she'll only pay 40 she'd probably end up paying less tax so it really wouldn't make sense beyond the three years in terms of that income splitting strategy but um, trusts and testamentary trusts that aren't always for your spouse they could be for uh, other other family members and in in many cases so for example if you're if you die and you have um, children that are going to be receiving an inheritance, you probably don't want them to get it mm-hmm. all at once yeah. or when they turn age of majority, age yeah. 18. So the trust, a testamentary trust for your children can be used and that allows you now to control what age they're going to get the money and how much they're going to get. Or it might be for a specific person, uh, mm-hmm. purpose. I've, I've seen uh, clients where they've said, I'm creating a trust, I'm putting $50,000 into it for each of you and this trust can only be used when you buy a house. Mm-hmm. So it might take you five years, it might take you two years, but when you're ready to buy the house and you've got enough for the down payment, yeah. you qualify, bam, the trust is yours. Mm-hmm. So it, you can do things like that with trusts that help create, create some control and kind of limit as to how that money is going to be spent. And I, another common way of using these trusts, particularly for kids, is they'll have specific ages. Like I know Andy mentioned one age, but they may use graduate ages. Mm-hmm. You'll get a third at 25, a third at 30, yeah. and a third at 35. Yeah. And there's, you know, the reason behind that, of course, is maybe the 25-year-old might blow it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I do know a personal friend of mine, he uh, got half at 25, half mm-hmm. at 30, bought a house at 25, paid it off at 30. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, these, these are, gr- it's great because he, had he got it at age majority, 18, yeah. 
I don't know if it would have lasted 25. Yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah so, good point. So you're just looking at the maturity level of the, the beneficiaries and, you know, it could be grandkids, great-grandkids, whatever it might be. So we, we've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks about estate planning and this sort of is a continuation of it. And, and so as you think about trust, the bottom line is that the testamentary trust, those trusts that are created in your will, are not dead. It's mm-hmm. not the end of the trust. Uh, one of the big features, this tax income splitting strategy is off the table now after three years. But you know, if you're using a trust, the other thing it may be is for, you need to provide long-term income for the care of minor children or dependents. Uh, or you might have family members that have special needs. Mm-hmm. A trust is going to be fantastic for that. Um, you might have specific, uh, specific purposes such as child's education, right? You've set money aside for a trust for their education. Uh, you might want to use a trust to make sure that somebody, if somebody's not capable of managing their money or they're very poor, they're spendthrifts, uh, mm-hmm. this will let them let the money last over a number of years instead of being used up all at once like Don was referring to. Um, it might be to provide income for your current spouse's lifetime and while preserving the capital for your children of a previous marriage. Hmm. So there's a scenario where you remarry, um, you know, you're in love with your new spouse, so you don't want to ignore them at death. So they're going to receive the income from your trust. But then when they die, the residual goes to your children. Right. So that um, your children don't get sort of out look, you know, overlooked in terms of the overall process. That's probably one of the more common uses for a trust right now. A lot of blended families. Yeah. And so like Andy mentioned, so the, the, you know, you're not throwing your new, your latest spouse on the street. Yeah. Okay. He or she gets the same lifestyle, but then of course your kids are, uh, are able to get the cash or the inheritance eventually. Yeah. So trust, it doesn't, it, trust maybe sound like, oh yeah, you have to be super rich or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, um, you know, or it's a complicated thing. Yeah. I think you definitely, when you're speaking to it, this is not something you're going to do in a will kit. This yeah. is something no. you're going to have to see a lawyer who, who understands trusts and how to use them. Um, but, um, so, so I think the trust, the, the, the biggest thing is we were talking about estate planning is that so many people are focused on, remember we talked about the little tax and the big tax, mm-hmm. the little tax is probate tax, one and a half percent in Ontario. So if you don't have money go through your will, if you don't have money go through your will, then there is no money available to create a trust. Yeah, yeah. So for example, if I had my tax-free savings plan, my tax-free savings account, my tax-free investment account, we should call it, uh, and that goes directly to my spouse. Or I had RSPs or a RIF, and that goes directly to um, a non a, a beneficiary. I have a life insurance policy that goes to a beneficiary. So all three of those uh, lump sums of money, they're now not even going through my will. They're not available to create a trust. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I've got a joint investment a joint account or uh, a piece of real estate that's jointly owned. Well, that just goes to the surviving joint owner. So again, there's that money is not flowing through your mm-hmm. will. So it's often people think, oh, a trust would be a great way to, you know, be able to manage the affairs for my spendthrift child. But it turns out there's only, you know, 60 so grand that. going yeah. through their, mm-hmm. through, actually through their will that's available to create the trust. Mm. So you have to be very careful in your planning to make sure that you haven't bypassed your will with all of these assets in an effort to avoid the small tax, the one and a half percent. Yeah. Well, is it? Can I ask a question? Sorry. Is it yeah. better? And you guys have been doing this for an awfully long time. Is it better to die during the reign of a of a of a uh, progressive conservative government or a liberal government? Mm. If you as you look I, back over I, time, I would it, say can you conservative. Really? Yes, because mm. just re- looking recently, um, increasing tax on the so-called the the higher the 
income earners yeah. is usually during a liberal term. Right. And, and people miss people. But where the average person gets screwed is they die and yeah. all of a sudden they have all this money as yeah. income, yeah. taxable so every, income. Everybody associates it, the, the higher tax bracket with a higher income, but at the end, anyone ho- who owns a home and then dies, they're in the same bracket. They're, they own yeah, RSPs, they exactly. own investments, yeah, yeah. they're going to be in a very a high tax bracket. Yeah, you know, All yeah. the capital gains. And so, so you look at the recent changes in the last three years, we've gone from a 46.5% highest tax bracket yeah. to a 53.5% right. highest tax bracket in the last three years. So that's basically an extra 7% yeah. that really is an estate tax because a whole lot of people never get make over 220000 a year. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, all those RSPs are taxed in the year of death and yeah. the capital gains from a cottage or the non-registered what have you. Yeah. Well, and we I know we talked a lot about estate horror stories a little bit last week. And actually, I, I met with a client this week and I had a really good story to tell you about an estate plan that, that went well. Okay. We are <laughs> planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now at 905-529-7165. And don't forget the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now. Leave a message at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And check out their website at andyanddon, all one word, dot com. That's andyanddon.com. You got a feel-good story. Feel-good estate planning story. story. I know everybody's (laughs) just hanging on their chair waiting to hear this. But the, uh, no, I met with a client. We had our estate planning seminar. Seminar, which was a great yep. success. And one of the clients that had come to it uh, was appreciative and just was commenting about how it was just, it was great information, et cetera. And so we started, we talked about some of the fundamentals, like just simple things, you know, making sure you've got beneficiaries named properly and, and et cetera, et cetera. And he said, well, my uh, brother was the executor for my mom's estate. And we rolled the clock back a little bit and he said, well, first of all, so my mom and dad, when they were alive, they were always pretty good communicators about their estate plans. There was um, uh, a business involved and what, you know, some of the siblings. So there were six brothers and sisters in this family. And so father passes away and basically everything rolls over to mom. And so mom now is, uh, has named one of the sons as executor and one of the daughters. So there's two out of the six that are named as executors. And so they would have a meeting that the daughter and the son who were executors would about every year, every couple of years, but every year, probably at least, they would have a meeting and only the brothers and sisters were allowed to come. They couldn't bring their spouses. Mm-hmm. And basically they would go over everything and they'd say, here's sort of a summary of where mom's estate is right now. Wow. And here's- That's planning. And here it is planning. Wow. So, and here's kind of how uh, things are going to be divvied up. And does anybody have any concerns, right? And so people, it had to all be aired at the same time. This is time like the Brady Bunch, man. It was. Are you it sure was, this is real life? This is real life. This is real life. of financial planning and estate planning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so June, so, we should talk about our estate plan today. <laughs> so everybody kind of knew what was going to, how it was all going to unfold. And, and for they the would most, literally know the will ahead of time. Exactly. Yeah. And oh, so for wow. the most part, um, all six of them are named as beneficiaries, and for the most part, they're going to share in some, maybe not necessarily equal, but what they consider to be fair um, mm-hmm. in terms of the overall split. So now we roll the clock forward a couple of years, and mom passes away. And so now uh, brother and sister are dealing with, as the executor duties, dealing with the will, and my client gets a phone call. 
And the phone call from the brother. He says, John, uh, I've, got some, uh, I've got some news about the estate. We've gone over the will and we've discovered that one of us, that one of us has been left off as a beneficiary in the will. And unfortunately, it was you. Oh. And he, and he said, I don't know. I said, I, I just wanted to give you a, a first call to let you know this and before anybody else knows. And I want to get your opinion as to what do you think we should do? And so, you know, my client's sitting, well, you know, we've always in those discussions, we always talked about how it would be split evenly. So I, how did that happen if they uh, had all these well, discussions? Well, I'll get to that in okay. a second. All right, I'm so, ahead. So, uh, so, we, so he said, hey, we always talked about it being split amongst the six of us equally. And, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I don't know how everyone else is going to feel, but, you know, I don't want to be left out. I think it should mm-hmm. be, they should, should be equally split. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, I'm going to, I, I hear what you're saying. And why uh, would he even ask him that? Why yeah. wouldn't he just assume that, well, of course, well, we'll, we'll do what we can to get you your piece. I'll tell you why. Because then he phoned the other five people and he gave them the exact same story that your name has been left off Uh-oh. the will. What would you, what do you but, think we should do? Was this April 1st by the No. Chance? So in fact, one person's name had been left off the will, but oh. instead of identifying who it was, he asked, he told all, asked all of them individually what they would do if they, because they were left off the will right. and got their answers. And of course, every single one of them said, well, I think it should be split, right? Mm-hmm. And so now when it came, when the <laughs> truth came out that the lawyer actually left out when the will was made, hmm. that they left out one one of the names and it wasn't my client it was his brother right. but uh and but now nobody had any arguments <laughs> over who should be, how it should be dealt with and That's... it should all be split equally and it worked perfectly smoothly nice and recovery. the lawyer never charged them a dime to deal with the estate because they messed up big time yeah, so really. i thought that was a yeah, great story because that could have been oh it could have opened up a huge can of worms but yeah. wow talk about an ex- and now this is where you That's think about smart. as an executor how how brilliant that was just to be able to sort of diffuse the yeah. whole issue by putting everyone right in that position, thinking who, they were the one left out. Who gave the executor that advice? He just came up with it on that's his a, own. Wasn't that amazing? Brilliant, brilliant so idea. So I thought that was fantastic. So anybody out there, you're welcome to use that use <laughs> oh, that little man. story. And uh, if it helps you in your situation, that would be great. Wow. <laughs> so it all worked out. Yeah, well, the biggest it? part of that whole story is the, is the openness of the yeah. conversation yes. before this. Right? Yes. Because I, again, I think there's a, a certain amount of privacy. People want to hold their yeah. cards pretty co- close yep. to their chest <clears throat> and uh, no, don't really want to have the kids know exactly how much they have or yeah. don't have. Yeah. They could be embarrassed or they don't want to think you're going to get a whole lot of money and therefore mm-hmm. you can stop working now. Yeah. You know? yeah. I should say, I think the mother, in fact, the mother had become incapacitated. Uh, maybe it was dementia or Alzheimer's. So she, the pow- these were power of attorneys now right. that were also the executors. So right. they, they had access to all of her financial information. And yeah. so part of that was just being shared uh, on a regular basis. But, uh, so how did it not come out during all of these meetings that one was left off the will? Well, the will, the will they was made. they seen the document? They never saw the actual document. Document. It was yeah. just told by mother originally yeah. that you're all going to be sharing equally, and yeah. that was the plan. Oh, great story. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very wise solution, by the way. That was very a, wise. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, switching gears here a little bit is uh, we're, we're into November, and it's starting to get a little cold on certain mornings. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that goes through some people's mind might be watching those geese head south 
and they're thinking they might want to go there sometime, sometime soon also. See, in our house, it's, honey, get the snow tires out from downstairs because I have to put them on now. I'm, I'm thinking frost <laughs> delay. I can't yeah. get out on the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our, our things, right? You know, whatever those indicators are. And those snowbirds, I just had a couple friends recently just left last week. Yeah. And then they'll come back for Christmas. So mm-hmm. you're starting to get into snowbird season. In fact, uh, uh, just a uh, week ago, it was a... Uh, my father-in-law's birthday and they're talking about oh they got to get their travel insurance Mm -hmm. and rightfully so it's one of the key parts of traveling as a as a as a snowbird um because obviously we're covered here in our own country but you as soon as you go to buffalo across the border or onto the plane and cross customs and you're into the other country now you're not covered yeah and not having Proper coverage could literally change your life. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. In fact, there's tons of uh, horror stories, uh, not as nice as Andy's story you just had, but a perfect example was a woman in Saskatchewan um, gave birth nine weeks early. Mm. Okay. So it wasn't like she was taking a big chance. Yeah. It's still, you know, two and two, over two, two months nine, away, yeah. but she was vacationing in Hawaii, gave birth prematurely. The baby needed two months of intensive care. The cost was $950,000. Oh my. She was denied claim on the basis of a pre-existing condition. Being pregnant, I guess. Um, So you do have to read your travel policy. Um, Be very careful reading it because everyone's so different. So I want to go through the, you know, how this works. And we also kind of take for granted. I just went and bought it. Sometimes people are actually spending too much. They got double coverage. They go and buy Blue Blue Cross, for example, at the airport or what have you. And meanwhile, they're covered at work Mm -hmm. or on their credit card. So be very careful because I think there's some wasted money here. Um, And one last thing uh, on this topic, or there'll be lots of things, but one other thing is you can also deduct this as a medical expense is the travel cost. Oh, yeah. Okay, so save those So insurance, receipts. you can... Oh, so the, the cost down there or the actual insurance? The actual insurance. Oh, okay. Is a, is a cost that can be deducted as a, as a medical expense. Hmm, okay. Okay, so I think there may be a lot of listeners might be missing that too. And that makes sense because obviously your medical condition determines how much you're paying for insurance. Yep, yeah. and age, and we'll get to that. But it's actually interesting. 95% of all travel insurance claims are paid. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's a lot of misconceptions. Um, first of all, the biggest misconception is people say, well, I thought I was covered. Mm-hmm. I have either A, a provincial health care plan, B, employer benefit plan, or C, a credit card, and they think they're covered. And uh, first of all, A, the uh, provincial health care plan, only 5 to 15% of medical expenses when you go to a different country are covered. So that leaves somewhere between 85 and 95% of those expenses are yeah. not covered. Yeah. So do not think, actually, you're better off just assuming you're not covered at all yeah. from the provincial side. Right. Okay, that's probably the best thing. Then looking at both the employer benefit and the credit card plan, they vary drastically between the plans. So you really need to look at each one and read them clause by clause. I know it's painstaking, but it really could matter of gambling your future when you go to the States. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people expect the best, but who doesn't, now I could probably say this, there's a lot of people, but who doesn't often take more risks yeah. when they're traveling? Mm-hmm. They can try yeah. parasailing. Paras- you can't do parasailing yeah. here. Parasailing. <laughs> okay. That's perhaps one of the dumbest things we do. <laughs> yeah. I haven't water skied in 20 years. Exactly. I'm going to get on a board. Exactly. <laughs> Have a few cocktails, let someone else drag you around. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not going to do that sober, of course, so you mm-hmm. have to do it. And all you take more risk traveling too. 
and yet a lot of people aren't getting insurance. Yeah. And so then they're getting in some financial kind of issues or, or problems. So check the plan. First of all, the pre-existing um, condition may not be covered or it might be covered. Um, everybody's definition of a pre-existing condition is different. Sometimes it would simply mean you have been on the same medication for a period of three months. Mm-hmm. Others say you need to be on the same medication for a full year. And so you really got to read that to see. And I know my father, as an example, had a, a heart issue. Um, had the It was a very easy fix. Um, and he was okay after two months. Mm-hmm. He found a, a coverage after yeah. 60 days. But the one he was on, he had to wait a year. Yeah. Okay, so be very careful. There's what they call a stability clause. So it's, it's when your pre-existing condition is now considered stable. So read that stability clause. Um, I, to be honest, I didn't even know what a stability clause was until I got ready for the show today. Mm-hmm. So, but it basically is their idea of what's considered stable so that you will be insurable. Um, people that have s- symptoms or signs of any illness or a new diagnosis um, or a treatment within a specific period of time prior to the trip may not be covered. So you have to find that out. So all of a sudden, it could be a appendicitis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, some places might be, okay, that's fine. That's a quick fix and you're, you're fine to go somewhere. Others have said, no, no, you're not covered now. Again, be very, very careful. In fact, you might be better off simply just to call to make sure you're covered yeah. and get that in an email. Mm-hmm. Okay. So things that you might want to consider mm-hmm. is where are you traveling to? Certain places aren't even covered at all. Yeah. Okay. If you're going to Syria or something like that, I don't know if you're going to be covered. <laughs> okay. Mm. Um, types of activities. Well, if you're going to go, uh, you know, bungee jumping. Zip lining. Zip lining. Well, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I actually did that. So, But that was in Canada, so I'd still be covered. There you go. Cat skiing, heli skiing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those yeah. are uh, high, low, high altitude snowmobiling. All of those are, yeah. uh, are you're going to be excluded. Hmm. Um, again, anything with a potential earthquake, um, which would be in all mm-hmm. those that Andy just mentioned. So be very careful. Now, at least some of those are often in Canada, but if you go to Colorado and do those activities, now you're probably not going to be covered. Mm-hmm. Um, look to see if you can extend your coverage. Sometimes you, you say, okay, I'm only going to be away for this, say, two weeks. And all of a sudden, you hey, I got an opportunity to stay here for another week. Well, your coverage doesn't know that. Yeah. So make sure you can extend it before you leave. And there's, there is annual plans, and that, that, those are great for the snowbirds because they come back and forth. And mm-hmm. generally speaking, they're less expensive than constantly getting a new plan each time you go. Right. So, but again, I'll, I'll get through the cost in a second. There is a fantastic website for these snowbirds. It's actually called, and for most snowbirds, they might even know it already, but it's snowbirdadvisor.ca. That's snowbirdadvisor.ca. And they actually went through a dozen different carriers to find out, you know, the range of costs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, and, and the factors, major medical exp- uh, factors. So things that are, that affect your costs, first and, first and foremost would be age. And they kind of go in brackets. So my father-in-law just turned 76. Hey, happy birthday. But unfortunately, that started a new bracket. Mm. There's a 76 to 80 bracket. So his premium went up drastically this year. And you got to think, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to Florida. It's all part of the cost of a vacation is this insurance. Yeah. And you got to, ex- just like airfare would be, you got to think of this as part of the cost because there's no way you want to take a chance. 
So the age ranges are, say, 61 to 65, 66 to 70, 71 to 75, 76 to 80, 81 to 85. Um, not sure uh, what happens after 85. Um, hopefully, uh, there's somebody out there still going to cover you. Um, trip duration. The longer the term, the more the cost, of course, but it's not a straight line. So if you go on a 120-day vacation versus a 60, you say, well, it should just double. It's exponential because the risk goes, it gets far greater the longer you're there, okay? Because maybe you don't see a doctor, uh, okay? So your, your normal doctor is just not there. Nah. Um, Pre-existing medical ex deductions, they, they uh, increase significantly. They could be anywhere from a 50% increase to a 1,000% increase, depending on what it is, and the company. So check that. Smoker status, interestingly enough, they still go after smokers, which uh, makes some sense. They can pay between 15 and 30% more a smoker. But this is where it's different. Some coverage don't consider you a non-smoker until you quit for five years. Mm. Others say you're a non-smoker when you quit from two to three years. So again, check those policies out. Um, the deductible amount, it's kind of like uh, house insurance. If you got a higher deductible, you pay a lesser premium. Yeah. Okay. Policy type. Single trip versus uh, multiple trip plans. <coughs> but this is what was kind of interesting is the cost range. So, for example, if you are a 55-year-old uh, non-smoker and you take a single trip for 60 days, you will pay between $160 to $190. That's but, pretty tight. There's not a big difference yeah, between that. Mm -hmm. That's a $30, $30 difference there. But all of a sudden, now, if you are a 75-year-old single trip, you're now paying between 430 and 475. Hmm. So the price triples yeah. from a 55 year old to a 75 year old. Now, looking there, they also add in conditions. What if you just have a heart problem? And you, you know, people generally have some issues as they get older. Mm -hmm. And they actually, in my father-in-law's case, we were talking about it. Once you get to four problems, four things you're taking medication for, it goes up again. Yeah. You're okay with three? So you hit the fourth? <laughs> yeah. And what they'll ask you is, is that, <coughs> excuse me, is that pill for this or that or both? Hmm. It's for two things. They'll cover as two different occurrences. Uh, yeah. So heart diabetes. <coughs> excuse me. So basically, do your homework, read through all the fine print. And, and look for different carriers. You, you may find a better price. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can call now and leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about managing TFSAs before death. Yes, they're uh, very important. You know, they've only been around for, I guess it's seven years now. And mm -hmm. coming on and they're becoming a greater part of everybody's portfolio because the maximum you can now contribute to your TFSA, tax-free savings account, if you've never done any of the previous years, would be $46,500 right now. Mm. So again, if you are currently married, you and your spouse could have had that much money in them, uh, which would be $93,000 of contributions. 
easily could be well over 100,000 now. So yeah. now they're starting to become a more significant part of a person's net worth. Yeah, the and force du jour. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, in a perfect world, I think it, I always tell my clients, I wish it was 100% mm-hmm. because they, they are, there's no downside to a tax-free savings account. Mm-hmm. But there is a, some tricky spots in terms of the beneficiaries with the TFSA. And again, just to reiterate what Andy said earlier, they are called tax-free savings accounts. We always like to call them the tax-free investment account mm-hmm. because they can be invested in anything. Okay, so you can have a higher yielding investment inside these. And people are starting to catch on. I'm starting to see people not simply in savings areas or GICs. I'm mm-hmm. starting to see a lot more people that had, say, a dividend or a stock or, or a mutual fund inside their TFSA now. What, what about uh, RSP versus TFSA? Well, that, that's a great question. And, uh, and that, again, is a tax bracket related one. So mm-hmm. you need to look at clients' um, tax situation mm-hmm. and determine which makes more sense. Right. Not only now, but where their tax situation will be forecasted in the future. Right. Great question to talk to your financial planner about. Bottom line is, with that, is you would like to be in, if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket uh, later, mm-hmm. RSPs make more sense. Yeah. If you're going to be in a higher tax bracket later, or you've already got way too much in your RSPs right. and you've got this massive amount and, and you may die with all this money in RSPs and pay 53% tax on it, yeah. then TFSAs yeah. would be far better. Mm-hmm. So you so it really comes down to what tax bracket you are in. Now, if you're going to be in the same bracket both ways, that's still kind of nice to have that money in the RSPs and get that tax savings right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, but. The one thing that I do find uh, is very confusing. There's three different, well, actually four different ways you can fill in your beneficiary on the tax-free savings account. And the successor holder is one of your options. Now, a successor holder only applies to if you're if you're leaving your TFSA to your spouse. Mm-hmm. And what it means is your spouse inherits the tax-free savings account, period. It just goes over to him or her. And it does. It doesn't matter if. Uh, you know, let's assume it was uh, the investments the stay the same. Yeah, nothing everything. changes. Yeah. You literally just change ownership. It becomes the surviving spouse. Yeah. And this is a great thing. So even though she maximized, he maximized, and let's say the husband passed away first, all of a sudden she would get all the TFSAs, and there could be over hundred thousand dollars, not forty forty six thousand five hundred each contributed to mm. them, and this leaves a a great planning opportunity in terms of what should I do about TFSAs as you're getting closer to, you know, to your demise, so to speak? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when we were thinking about this, what mm-hmm. if, if you knew either you're ill or if it's uh, an, at some end-of-life decisions, if you, don't max, if you haven't maximized your tax-free savings account, then it would literally make sense to borrow that money on a line of credit, max it out to 46500 and then making your spouse the beneficiary of that right. means it rolls over to them and now they basically have doubled their room mm-hmm. and that, that, that they keep that forever. Yeah. So they could just turn around and pay back the line of credit right, right away. Right. And now they've increased their line of their TFSA room by double. Mm-hmm. And this is, I, I liken this almost like an insurance policy because you can't do it after the fact. Yeah. You know, you, and, and so you now have this large amount of money growing tax-free for the rest of your surviving spouse's life. So fantastic opportunity there. Definitely discuss this with your financial planner. Um, the n- next way is a, a beneficiary. So if you just filled in the beneficiary am- amount and you just put in the person's name, and that could be your kids, it could be your spouse. Uh, but what happens here, it doesn't go over as a TFSA anymore. It's basically deregistered, cashed in, and then 
they, they get the money tax-free. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine for the kids, but what if it was going to go to your spouse? And you filled in the line beneficiary and you put in the spouse's name, but it wasn't a successor holder. Well, now what you've done, if you deregistered it, she gets it, but she's not allowed to put that in as her, she can't double up her room, right. as Andy yeah. just mentioned there. There is one way to get around that. You have 30 days after that transfer has been made to obtain a special exemption. And you can transfer this into your spouses or common law partners um, and, and does not affect the beneficiary's TFSA contribution room. Basically, you have to fill in this form to make it a successor holder. Right. Okay. Now, I've seen that happen before. And an interesting part is that, say, let's say you had 40 grand in the TFSA, and in that 30-day period, it went up by $1,000. So now it's worth 41. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't roll over the 1,000. It's actually taxable income right. to the beneficiary. Yeah. They can roll over the, th- the 40. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, one other thing you can do is you can, you can have a, your uh, beneficiary as a, a charity. And you have up to 36 months after the death to use that as a charitable donation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's a tax-free rollover to the charity. And finally, the last way you can have your beneficiary is to the estate. And if you leave it as an estate, is now will go through your will and is is subject to probate tax. So it could be the best way to go because it is getting to be a significant amount. But if you've got four beneficiaries, you could put four beneficiaries on your TFSA equally get 25% each. Yeah. And that would avoid it going through the will and avoid probate tax. So definitely, this is something just to make that, ask your financial planner what your their beneficiary is on your TFSA to make sure that you have it right for your situation. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can go to the website, andyanddon.com or call now at 905-529-7165. Five reasons to discuss your estate plan now. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be giving all your money to the cat, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you should probably let your family know. (laughs) <laughs> because they will not be impressed when yeah. it comes up to the reading yeah, of the will. Yeah, yeah. And uh, really, well, that's one of the key ones is eliminating surprises. So um, you may have some special requests. You may have something you're doing out of the ordinary. You may have reasons for why you want to do it that way. They you probably also to- have reasons they don't want to tell everybody yeah. else. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is really, this is the hard part, right? Is yeah. how do you how do you leap from... Uh, you know, oh, I don't want to deal with the all the uh, the fallout if I tell them now, mm. for, and now they'll just be stewing on it, and yeah. they'll and they'll be resenting me until I die, or do I just leave it as a bombshell, and and when it when I die, and they open up the will, and they go, what were they thinking? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that's true. So, I, I I still think eliminating surprises, people will at least to let the, let them absorb it, and uh, and maybe it might mean changing it later or not, but at the same time, at least you've got it, you've got some of those surprises out off the table. Don was talking about TFSA beneficiaries and um, and one strategy that you can use is that you can actually create multiple plans. Mm-hmm. And some people have liked that only before privacy. So you you know on this on one hand, you know you're talking about eliminating surprises, but on the other hand, sometimes we don't want everyone to know what they're going to get exactly. Yeah. And that's why bypassing the will with a TFSA could work. So you could have, if I had four children, I could have four plans. And each of those plans, maybe one needs more than the other. 
in my mind. And so I decide, you know, one's going to get 10,000 and the other three are going to get 5,000 each. So they, the, the other three, they, they would not, none of them would see how much each of them got. They could ask each other mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. they might end up finding out. But at the end of the day, um, you can create multiple plans and simplifying it. We do it. We have them all on one statement. The client knows them. And so at death, that just, the money goes. If they're reading a will and let's say there's three kids in the will yeah. or four kids in the will, yeah. uh, do not, do the, all four kids not know the, the, uh, complete entirety of the will or just the portion that involves them? In they other know words, the whole thing. So they know what their brothers and sisters are getting in the will. But because this money doesn't flow through the will, uh, they don't see it. Uh, so, so let's say I had a life insurance policy and I named one of my kids as beneficiary, right. you know, so they get a check for a hundred grand. And to the extent that they don't tell the others, yeah, they're never going to see it because oh, it's not part of the estate. It bypasses the estate. Right. It's not read through the will and mm. it's not part of the will. Mm. And wills are public. Yeah. Okay. So that if somebody's estranged, they can actually check to see, right. okay, was I in the will or not? Oh, I yeah. see. So uh, five reasons to discuss your estate plan now. Special requests. And so this is, I think, important because you might assume, you know, which assets are important to each of your children. But you know what? You could be guessing wrong. Yeah. So, you know, you hear people, well, I wrote Bobby's name on the back of a painting. Well, he didn't like the painting. He liked the sculpture or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was that, yeah. that I had. So, it, you know, there's no reason why you can't ask your kids. You know, I've always thought I'd like to give you that. And they might say, well, I really like this. Mm. You know, that's, so uh, those special requests, what a great opportunity to discuss it find out what's going on. Your biggest headache there is going to be everybody wants the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> now what? Or none <laughs> of it. They each get it four ways. We're going to sell that one. <laughs> um, I think managing expectations. So managing expectations, uh, you know, let's say this comes a lot to executors. So in my story I was saying earlier, you know, two children out of six were named as executors. Well, why weren't the other four included? Mm-hmm. So having that discussion now, you can say, well, I'm, we're having so-and-so as the executor because we feel they're the most prepared right now. Maybe that'll change in the future or they live the closest, they live in the province, whatever all those reasons are as to why not everybody is going to be executor. Is it common to have them all being executor or just the Well, one? I think that this is what happens because people don't want to offend anybody. Right. And the truth is, is that becoming an executor is literally a burden. Yeah, it is yeah. not any kind kind of um, pat fun. on the back or recognition that you're special in any way. It's mm-hmm. probably the opposite. Don't you get more though if you were an executor? Don't you get Pardon a alert? Me? Don't you get a piece of it because you are you executor? You could, but often that might be written in the will that if you're a beneficiary and the executor you don't get oh, and you don't get anything. Mm-hmm. But sense. you know you're gonna get your share anyway. Yeah. But there may be there may, the be, way. there may be an allowance oh, right. Right too, yeah. <clears throat> or there might be a specific dollar amount that they're allowed to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, so managing expectations. So number one was eliminating surprises. Number two is special requests. Number three is managing expectations. Number four, introduce your advisors. Now, I'll often have clients say, you know, if anything happens to us, there's a file there and it's investors group and it's Andy Lister and call him, right? So if you, you should have at least to make people aware who are the advisors you're dealing with, yeah. either face-to-face or at least name or business card, et cetera. So who is your lawyer? Who is your uh, financial planner? Who is your t- accountant or tax preparer? All of those major individuals. Maybe there's an insurance um, person in there as well. So introducing your advisors is a great opportunity as part of the estate plan. And then finally, uh, explaining unequal divisions. So unequal divisions. <laughs> yeah, you're shaking. I, I can see why this is one they're going to leave till after death. <laughs> I don't want this any part of happen. this. Yeah. I'm all right. Yeah. But uh, this one is really specific in terms often where someone has um, 
you know, there may be a cottage property. It might, it's the business. So let's say a family member, one of your siblings has become involved in the family business and they are the main person mm-hmm. driving that business now. Well, they're going to take it over at death. But how could that be equalized? Maybe that person needs to buy insurance to pay out the other brothers and sisters that aren't involved in the business. So um, that can be done. So um, the other thing might be, as I said, a cottage where somebody wants a specific thing, or it could even be an antique, maybe an antique car or an yeah. old car that somebody's you know mechanically inclined and is always looked after, but they're going to get it. And so some of those might be straightforward and, and, the, and the siblings will all say, yeah, well, that makes sense. And in other cases, there might be, well, but how do we, is that fair or, you know, how do we equalize that? And life insurance and maybe some other strategies in terms of the will, there's ways to equalize it as well. So lots to think about in terms of estate planning. Boy, I think it's uh, it's a great push. I think once you've done it and you've gotten it out there and you're moving forward in it, everybody's going to feel a lot better because there's no surprises. True enough. Uh, We have been planning your financial future. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. You can reach them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll see you next week. See you.